Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Today is what we as the church, the New Testament, believe to be Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to define Pentecost Sunday. And just as I, I preached on the resurrection at Easter and the birth of Jesus around what we celebrate as Christmas, today I'm going to share and define um, what happened on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Feast of Shavat for the Jewish, uh, over 2,000 years ago. As you turn to Acts chapter 1, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take every preconceived notion that you have about that word. I want you to just like maybe physically or metaphorically or literally just, just take it out of your head and then just set it down on the chair beside you and tell it to stay. Just sit right there, stay, and don't try to come back in my head. Today we're going to go back to the basics. We're going to lay a foundation for Pentecost any experience that you've ever had, I want you to just take it and I just want you to set it down. Any expectation of what you think that Pentecost is supposed to be or a Pentecostal is supposed to look like, I want you to take it out of your head, put it in the chair beside you, tell it to sit and stay until the end of this service. I don't want my expectation or my experience to define what I believe about his eternal word. You with me? I want the word of God in all of its glory and eternity to establish what I believe about my expectations and my experience. Too often, we, even God's children, with even the right motives... We take our expectation or our experience and we hold God's word accountable to it instead of holding our expectation and our experience accountable to God's word. Today, I want us to change that on purpose. Are you with me? So just lay that thing down. Look at it. Like a Labrador retriever that would actually mind. If you look at it like a weenie dog, you're going to get frustrated. Okay? Look at it like a Labrador. Tell it to sit and stay. And just like old Jake did in the duck blind, it will sit right there. Acts 1 verse 8. Feed Jake. I'm sorry. It just came to me. I didn't even do that in the first. I don't know why I'm doing that right now. He's been a good dog. All right. But you shall receive. Everybody say it with me. Power. Woo. I need power. Look, I hit the alarm clock 17 times every morning. It is hard for me to get out of bed. I don't like the alarm clock, and I don't like people that do. I'm just letting you know right now. If you wake up in the the morning, and you're that person, it's like, hey, it's a great day. Let's get up and play and do things that the Lord has given us the opportunity to do. Bless the Lord. Let's have a great day. Let's wake up, and we don't even need coffee. I am coffee. No, No, I don't. Look, don't. Look, I need you to hush. And, and just calm yourself for like the next 45 minutes while I let this, this snooze button do its thing and I let that coffee pot do its thing. If I wake up before 5 o'clock, something's going to die that day in Jesus' name. I'm telling you. Like that's the only reason that I wake up before 5 o'clock and I'm excited about it. If something's flapping or walking through on four legs, I'm good to go. Sometimes it's hard to stay awake in those. That's why I wear a seatbelt tied around the tree. That way if I fall asleep, I hang on. I need power. I need power to, to, to just get out of bed in the morning. I need power to have a purpose for my life. That's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you shall be witnesses to me. That's Jesus, to me. In Jerusalem, that's at home. In all of Judea, I just that, that's our surrounding area. For us, it's everything from Bill Platt to Crowley and Opelousas to Jennings. That's, that's our Judea. That's the area that I am claiming for this church. That is the area that I prophesy Jesus give us the opportunity as a staff, a church to minister to, and pastor and shepherd and grow something that does not currently exist. 
Because me and empty chairs, we just don't sit well together. Because I know that there's a quarter of a million people in that Judea that are wondering if anybody else still cares. I know that there's a quarter of a million people within that terrain and area that need to be reached with the real gospel. The one that has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The one that is genuine, authentic, and relational. That doesn't just experience something in the church and then sit on it. Judea and Samaria. That's the places that you've never gone before. The places that up to this point you may not have even supposed to have been in. And to the end of the earth. Luke 24 verse 49 echoes this this message. And Jesus tells the disciples, Go tarry in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be endued. Or you shall receive power from on high. A church that is alive, a church that is spirit-filled, should be a church that engages its community. So we have opportunities throughout the year to engage our community. From what we call a carnival around Halloween, where we have jump houses and we give kids candy. Because 10,000 people are out and about on the streets of this city during that time. And if I can get them to come to my church, give them candy and share the gospel and pray, then I'm going to meet them where they are. Instead of being so stinking spiritual that I can't minister to anybody on earth. Hey, my bad. If you're standing there, just step back. Just step back with me. I used to be that way as well. We support GEMA, the food bank. We support Welcome House, and we're going to support it more. The more that you give, the more we're able to support. The more that we give, we hope that you would follow our lead. We're not asking you to do something that we're not already doing, that we wouldn't be willing and don't do ourselves. Every time that I ask you to give, I give. Or, well, my wife gives, but I do it with her. I'm like, hey, let's do this. I'm for it. I'm going to cast a vision to you. We're going to do something in the first week in August called the Back to, Sto- Back to School Health Fair. If you were wondering why there's a giant galvanized cow tank in the back of the sanctuary, it's not because we have a little old man coming in with a scrubber later that's going to distract everybody. That's not why that's there. We are going to fill that thing for the next several months, and if we need to use it for baptisms, which we probably will, I pray and believe God for that, we'll just put some other different container that's obtrusive and distracting for you to have to walk around. Because we want to fill that with a list that you'll find in your bulletin. Anybody have a bulletin? I had one earlier. I left it somewhere. Ever do that? Happen to me. Forgive me. If you'll look in your bulletin, and on the outer edge, there's a flap that flips open, and it's perforated. Thanks to our lady that folds and perforates. And I'm very thankful for Miss Clara. And she's giving me that look. It's that, like, mama look. Like, quit that, boy. It's that quit that boy look. I see you. I see you. I love her. She folds our bulletins every week, and I just wanted to celebrate her because I'm very thankful because I don't want to have to do that. And so if you'll look on that bulletin, you can, I want you right now, if you have one, just tear that end piece off. Just tear it off. Put it in your Bible. Put it in your purse. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your pocket. I don't care what you do with it. Don't leave it here because I'll have to pick it up, or somebody will. I'll have to ask somebody to pick it up. On that list, you will see for the health fair everything that we'll be collecting and everything that our board and I have budgeted to spend on this back-to-school health fair. At the very least, and you'll hear more about this as the summer goes by, but at the very least, it is our heart to give 500 backpacks, at the very least, 500 backpacks filled with school supplies to the children, not parents. You have to come here with a child. We're not handing backpacks out to every parent that comes along. I got 17 kids and I need a backpack. No, no, no. Where are they? Well, there. it's at my auntie's house and my brother and sister and them. And you know all the shies down there, down the road, they need the backpacks too. No, no, we're not doing that. We're going we're gonna to take the backpacks for the people that come, the children, and that's from kindergarten to 12th grade. And we want to give 500 backpacks out. Man, 500, that's a lot of backpacks. I called one school, one school, Eunice Elementary. And I asked the teacher there, hey, 
how many would we need? About how many? Does anybody need a bulletin? Anybody want one? Our guys are asking if they can pass them out right now. If you do, just grab one on the way out. If you don't have one now, grab one on the way out. We're going to throw them away if you don't take them. So grab one there. I called a principal at Eunice Elementary, and I asked her, hey, look, about how much need at your school would there be for collecting backpacks and filling them with school supplies? She said, Chris, our school has about 300 students. 300 children, 95% of them, 95% of them are in a financial state to where they receive help with their lunch, being able to purchase their lunch every day. 95% of 300, that's one school. So I think 500 for us is just kind of like the starting point that we would provide some health services for that day to prepare these children for for class, and we would be able to give them a backpack with their school supplies already in it so that their parents can buy them something else that they may need for the opening day of school. That's our heart behind it. If you bring a backpack, if it's for junior high and high school, it needs to be mesh. It's got to be like a see-through or clear mesh see-through. Um, our elementary school, you'll see the rules for that. That's what we're doing. That's our Judea. That's what we want to do. When it comes to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, a few weeks back, a few months back now, actually, we had some people in our congregation make faith promises that at the beginning of every month or throughout the month at some point that you would designate a specific amount that is above and beyond what we would refer to as the tithe or the first fruits that God, we believe God requires of our finances. And when I say we, I, I mean like my bride and I, like that's what we do. And I would be amiss not to share it with you that we give to missions every month. We have state missions and U.S. missions. That's Teen Challenge, Chi Alpha, which is our college ministry all across the United States and in the state. Um, a New Orleans outreach. We had Pastor Josh come in one week on a Wednesday night. Every dollar that you give, like it doesn't just sit in an account. When we get it, we send it out. And when they have need, they know. They can call us and we'll do our best to meet that need. Because sharing the gospel is more than just saying it where you are. Sharing the gospel is supporting it where you can't go. So I will never go to India. Why well, may? I don't know. But I have not yet been to India, Africa, Asia. I hadn't even been past like Mexico. And the only reason I went there is because my wife earned me a free cruise. Like that's the only reason I got to go down there. I will never, is unlikely, I will never make it to those places. But I know people right now, I know real people with real families that are in those places ministering and sharing the gospel. And by us supporting those people, we are partnering with them to reap a reward of a harvest that only God can bring. They plant, they water, we support them. So today, this morning, this church is ministering to Muslims, Mormons, Hindu, Buddhist, atheist, paganist, and those 2.2 billion people around the world who are still yet to hear the gospel. And this church agreed just a couple of months ago to give $3,400 a month as a church. That's like our church's tithe. It's really all it is to U.S. state and uh, missions, world missions around the world. And that's why we do it. Why? Because it's found in Acts 1-8. That this is the last thing. The Bible says in Acts 1-8, uh, this passage, and directly after that, the Bible says that Jesus ascended into the clouds, and the angel says, why are you still standing here? Didn't you hear him? Go to Jerusalem. I don't want an angel to have to come down and say, hey, why are you still standing here? Did you not hear him? Go do what he told you to do. Go accomplish his will. Pentecost, it just has a bad rap because it's affiliated with too many false things. Pentecost is not a doctrine. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is a day. That's all that it means. 50 Pentecost day, 50th day. It was the 50th day after Passover. 
after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, 50 days later, his apostles, disciples, all of his, the followers of Jesus, the whopping 120 out of 500 that he revealed himself to, were in what the scripture describes as an upper room. And on that day, Joel chapter 2's prophecy came alive to the people of God, and we refer to that as the day of Pentecost. I want to say unequivocally, I am Pentecostal, which means I believe in the experience of that day. It's not a doctrine for me. It's not a denomination for me. It is my faith in the word of God that what they experienced I still get to experience because nothing ceased, nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is us. I am Pentecostal. I pray in tongues. Why? Because I want to. Because the Bible said, my daddy said I could. If you don't like it, take it up with him. His word said that that is available to me. And I'm going to explain some of what that means today. And I'm trying to make light because, man, this thing has just been too heavy for too long. It's just the Word of God. We make it too complicated. We don't have to understand everything that He says. I'm Pentecostal. I don't like snakes. And if you bring one to my church, I will shoot you and your snake. Okay, I'm not playing with them. I'm not touching them. And if you see them, you're going to hear gunshots quickly following those snakes. I'm not going to shout and spit in tongues. And I might accidentally spit or shout, but I'm not going to do it in tongues in your face. I'm not going to shove you. Like you come to pray, I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to hit you with nothing. I'm not Benny Hinn. I don't have the anointing. You might hit me back. Okay, that's not what this is about. My wife still wears pants, makeup, jewelry, cuts her hair, and is allowed to speak in church. But I am Pentecostal, according to the Word of God. Because that's what the Bible says. I don't make more of it than I'm supposed to. I don't make less of it than I'm supposed to. I just want to enjoy the gift, the promise, the 700-year promise that, that became fulfilled when Peter stood up in front of the crowd. On the day of Pentecost. It's God's word. It's not weird. His spirit is not weird. The spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. He's not some mystical force. That's only available to those who are willing to go into some sort of. Odd, weird, transcendental state subconsciously where we're able to meditate and flow back and forth and do weird things and spit and say awkward stuff. Receiving the Holy Spirit is more than a feeling. Come on, can you hear it? It's all right. Okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, no, for real. I, I sign your checks over there. Listen, the Holy Spirit is more than a feeling. You just experienced a feeling. It was not the Holy Spirit. It was Pastor John. Now he has the Holy Spirit in him. I'm not de- degrading his experience or what's in him, but. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not the goosebumps that stand up on the back of your neck in the middle of the national anthem when the B-52 flies over the football field. It's not just the Holy... I'm not saying the Spirit of God is not in that. But I'm saying that it doesn't have to be that way every time. It's more than a feeling. It, the experience. He is more than a feeling. He is more interested in our faith than He is our feeling. If we will put our faith in him, our feeling will follow our faith. But all too often, again, it's that expectation and experience defining his word instead of his word defining our expectation and experience. All too often, we put our faith in feelings instead of putting our faith in him and letting the feeling follow what it's supposed to be. I'm not going to do that. I'm Pentecostal. I've received the Holy Spirit. 
I pray in new tongues. Watch this. Acts chapter 8. I'm sorry. Acts chapter 2. Verse 4. The disciples, first three verses, the disciples are in the upper room. The Bible says they're praying in one mind and one accord. The Holy Spirit comes in like a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire. Verse 4 says, they were all. Somebody say all. all. Now everybody say all. all. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. I mean, listen, I just decided a long time ago. If it was good enough for the apostles and the disciples who got to walk with Jesus for three years, I want it. I need it. The Bible says they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit threw them on the ground, made them convulse, and shunned a la Hyundai. What it says. As the Spirit gave. Gave them what? An utterance. What kind of utterance? Well, an utterance that was understood by the crowd. No, an utterance that was understood by some. But then directly following, we see that there's also some people who did not understand who heard the apostles and the disciples experience the revelational prophetic word of the prophet Joel. Fulfilled on that day where the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind and landed on each of them as tongues of fire. They were all filled, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And some said, look at them drunk idiots. (laughs) Then people have lost their holy rolling mind, jumping off of stuff, spinning around in circles, shouting in tongues. What are they doing? Some did not understand. Some were actually offended because they did not understand. And they were so offended that they falsely accused God's authentic move. I don't ever want to be so offended that I falsely accuse something that God meant to be authentic. And then some, the Bible says, heard in their own language. Some heard in their own language. Listen, 90%, 90% of the people that I prayed with over the last decade to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, over 90% of them, I've prayed with maybe three people who have ever been slain or drew back and fell to the ground. The first one was my wife. And don't let the enemy call my wife a liar in your spirit because it's the most genuine lady that I know. The next, a couple of people, maybe over the last decade, the majority the 90th percentile of people that I have prayed with that either started crying or laughing or their heart started racing or they maybe started swaying, whatever it was, who cares? God bless all the stuff that we think is supposed to happen. 90%, I watched them and the Holy Spirit gave them utterance He did not make them utter. He gave them utterance. He gave them the ability in their body to physically speak in tongues. Some of them had enough confidence or just didn't care. So they spoke in tongues. And some of them had to do what my wife and I had to do where we studied this thing out and we had to weigh it out over a long period of time until almost seven years later, we looked back the first time that we prayed in tongues and we said, God gave us that almost seven years ago. And we just didn't allow our faith in his word to confirm our confidence in front of other people. First time that I prayed in tongues out loud in front of anybody was when my dad was on the table and doctors were pounding on his chest and trying to bring him back to life and I had no idea what else to pray 
I prayed in tongues out loud. And I thank God for the one spirit-filled Pentecostal guy in the room that believed as I believed and came up and encouraged me when I was when I was getting tired. So I kept praying. And we had nine days with my father that we wouldn't have had because sometimes this life just requires a power that we may or may not have on our own. Verse 39 in Acts chapter 2, it says, For the promise is to you and to your children. I need my babies to be spirit-filled. I need my babies to have confidence in a prayer language that may be mysterious or may be understood. I need my babies to go to their schools and have more influence on their schools than their schools have on them. I need them to walk into the classroom and have more effect on the culture that everybody else brings into that room than the culture has on them. I don't have eight hours a day with them. I send them out and I need to believe for the Spirit of God to come upon them and anoint them to preach, believe, and be the gospel in the elementary school, in the junior high, in the high school, on the college campus, in the church, in the community. I need my babies to be filled with more than what they currently have. Because I want them to have more effect on the temperature of the atmosphere that they're in than the temperature of the atmosphere affects them. And the only way that they're going to do that is if they believe in a power that's bigger than everything that they're around. That they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. I need, you don't have to. I want you to. I need to believe that what the Bible says I can have, what the Bible says the apostles and the disciples were allowed to experience, that I, my bride, and my babies can receive and walk in as well. For the promise is, did that minister to anybody? Or am I just preaching to myself this morning? Can I, I thought I was in a Pentecostal church. Sometimes I wonder if it may, no, I won't go there. It's okay. Talk back to me a little bit. Let me know. If you don't, or you can't, or you don't feel like it's okay, I want you to go to Facebook this afternoon, log on to the 9 a.m. service on May 28th, where Clint Brown was in the house, and be encouraged by him. Because I'm tired of y'all shouting and preaching with everybody else but me. I want to hear and know that somebody understands and agrees with what the Spirit of God says, no matter what man, woman, or child I put on this platform. It is okay to enjoy the presence of God. In his house, with his people. The promise is to you and your... That was a side note. I'm back. Here we go. I'm back. Come on. To you and your children and to all. I didn't say I wouldn't shout and spit. I said I wouldn't shout and spit in tongues in your face. The Bible says to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Who is the gift of the Holy Spirit for? Good job. You guys failed. That was a real question. It wasn't rhetorical. Who is the Holy Spirit for? Oh, it's okay to talk back in church. Not okay to talk back to God. It's okay to talk back in church. Holy Spirit is for as many as will call. All who call upon his name. Let me give you three blocks that you either build upon or are distracted by. Three blocks for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, uh, this would be a good thing to write down. If you're not, start taking notes and write this down. Number one, you guys are kind of stiff, man. For people that got to sleep in a little bit, you guys need to perk up. (laughs) Number one, believe. Believing is the essence of salvation. Repent of your sin and shortcomings, your wrongdoings, your failures, whatever it is. Repent and believe. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth one confesses unto salvation. 
believe, believe. John 1.12 says, to all who believe, they have been given the right to become children of God. Believe is the essence of salvation. And check this out. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a mystical force. He's not just power. He's not just feeling. He's more than a feeling. He is a person. In fact, he is as important of a person as Jesus. John 14, verse 16. I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another para helper, Kletos, that he may abide with you forever. Para Kletos. It means another one likened unto myself. Jesus said, I've got to go to the kingdom so that I can send you one likened unto myself, Kletos, who comes alongside you in my place. So just as we believe in Jesus for our salvation, so we believe in his Holy Spirit. For what? For sanctification, for fulfillment, for power, for everything else. Everything else. Now listen, I'm going to be really careful here, okay? Because I'm not here to offend another denomination or another doctrine. But I did not grow up in a denomination, and I did not learn a doctrine that believes this way. When I began to read these things in Scripture, I didn't immediately experience the things that I read. But let me say this. It is my personal conviction, okay, that just as we teach and believe and share Jesus, so should we teach and believe and share the Holy Spirit. In fact, all of you in this room right now would agree with me in this. Now, this is just kind of logical breakdown, but all of you would agree that if I do not teach, believe, and share Jesus then I will be held accountable for it, correct? Amen. Listen, listen. If I, we, a church, I believe, if we do not teach, believe, and share the Holy Spirit, why would we not also be held accountable for it? When Jesus said, I go to the Father, so that he may come. Another liken unto myself that would come beside. Just as we believe in Jesus, we believe in the person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we must yield to him. We must yield to him. Listen. I do not believe what I believe because I'm assembly of God. I am assembly of God because I believe what I believe. And I discovered that so did they. I was looking for an organization, possibly a fellowship, denomination, or doctrine that believed the same way as some of the things that I was reading and interpreting and studying because we study to show ourselves approved. I was looking for someone or an organization or entity that believed the way that I was believing because I was sensing and experiencing and reading about things that I had not been being taught. Or for some of you, that you were being taught, but you weren't being taught other things. And I get that. I am assembly of God because of what I believe. I don't believe because I'm assembly of God. Does that make sense? I must yield completely. I seek his face, not a feeling. I said it a minute ago. I'm not coming up when I when I was when they would make altar calls for whoever was needs to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come forward and and I would go up. I was I was making the mistake. 
of going up and seeking a feeling. But that's not what the Bible says that we should do. The Bible says that it is the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and fire. So I come up, and I ask to receive everything that Jesus has for me, and then I must completely yield when I call upon his name. Why do I need to completely yield? Because in Acts 2.4, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit uttered and some understood. But in 1 Corinthians 14.2, the Bible says that some speak mysteries in the Spirit. So there is a tongue that is understood and there is a tongue that is unknown. It's a tongue of mysteries that you don't understand. There are 3,078 dialects in the human language today. Some of them that we know of are no longer even used, but they were at one point. There's ticks, clicks, tones, sounds, verbs, consonants, words, and languages. 3,078 just known to man. And then Paul says, not only that we pray in the tongues of men, but in the tongues of angels. Well, if there's 3,078 tones, clicks, tongues, Verbs, consonants, sounds, words, languages known to man, then only God knows, literally, only God knows how many there are of angels. So when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to the Word of God, well, Chris, you're kind of coaching us through this. I know. I had to do this for myself. But because of some coaching and some obedience, I grew confidence in the confirmation of God's Word. 3,078, known to man, tongues of angels, understood, not understood. Do you understand that your experience may be completely voluntary, like mine and my bride's was, where the Holy Spirit stirred something in me, and as awkwardly as I felt, I began to just pray in tongues. We make it so complicated. People come up, we're like, just hold on. Just hold on a little bit longer. Come on, say it with me. Should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Hyundai. Come on, just Hakuna Matata. That's not the spirit. That's, that's Disney, okay? Mufasa's not the king. Jesus is the king. We, we, don't, we don't need to hold on. We don't need to let go. Some, you got one person in one ear. Just hold on, brother. Just hold on. You got the other person. Just let go and let God. Am I holding on or am I letting go? Am I standing up or falling down? I don't know, God. I'm really confused now I don't want this I'm going to a church that doesn't do this that's what happens and then what happens is because we jack up God's word people miss out on his anointing and so they go to church somewhere else that doesn't believe this way because we did it the wrong way because we didn't stay true to his word completely yield I know people one of them is on our staff who received the power of God, he drew back and fell to the ground, just like the Bible says that Saul of Tarsus did the first time that he met Jesus. He drew back and fell to the ground, and he woke up several hours later praying in tongues. I know one person that experienced both. The first time that he prayed in tongues was about the 17th time that he had gone to the altar to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's my testimony, but it's not me that I'm talking about. He was in service for an extra hour after church one night at camp. And the evangelist came to him and said, son, what is wrong with you? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we just received the Holy Spirit. I am. No, you're not. You're stopping him. He's uttering and you won't speak. Receive the Holy Spirit and then speak what he's stirring, and you'll have confidence. Because we believe, watch this very carefully. You with me? We believe that tongues is the physical evidence for you that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't need evidence. He knows what he's given. We need evidence. We need confidence. So God gave tongues so that we can have confidence. God gave a prayer language that you weren't born with for you to speak 
and learn and grow in if you have to. Whether voluntary, as, as it was for this guy, or the next experience where he responded again because he didn't live out the former experience that he had. When someone prayed over him and laid hands on him for a call to the ministry, he drew back and fell to the ground and woke up in the back of the car on the way home several hours later and could not stop speaking in tongues. That's never happened to me. The last time I said that's never happened to me, you did it that week. I was just, just saying, okay? I had to come to a place where I didn't need the feeling to believe. I had to completely yield. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Pastor John, if you'll come, here's what we need to understand today is that everyone's experience will be orderly and original. Did you know that no one human fingerprint is the same? If no one physical fingerprint is the same, then why in the world would your spiritual fingerprint look like somebody else's? Why don't we just come to a place as the children of God where we're willing to let him do whatever, however, whenever he wants to, like the church of the New Testament. It will be orderly. It will be original. But he, he, the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you just as much as he wanted to minister to the apostles, disciples, and followers of Jesus in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Number three, this is the final point. Receive. John chapter 20, the Bible says that Jesus came into the room after the resurrection. And the apostles and the disciples were gathered in this room, and the Bible says that he walked into the room and he breathed on them. I am not breathing on you, okay? Because my dad did that to me, and it grossed me out. Like he would hold me down and in my face and I just received all that he had, okay? I'm not gonna do that to you. But I will be obedient as I pray with you and so will our team. Watch this. The Bible says that he came into the room and he breathed on them. He, a Greek word called umphusao. It's similar to the Hebrew word in the very beginning, God life. And the body received life. Listen, you receive salvation. The only reason that you even have any understanding in your carnal mind is because of the Holy Spirit. You receive salvation. Holy Spirit's there. But there is another experience that Jesus has to offer. How do I know? Because Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, they didn't go, no. <laughs> Out of here, nasty, bad breath. You've been dead for three days, nasty. That's not what they said. <laughs> is it okay to have... Like, can we have fun and be okay? We're so stiff and stagnant. We're so spiritual. We hadn't affected anybody on earth. 95% of the church has not ministered and led anyone to Jesus. Are you kidding me? We need a Holy Ghost revelation of the Spirit of God. We need the unction of something that we do not currently operate in. 
Because that is not okay. I'm not answering for that. You stood in the pulpit every week, never mentioned me. No, sir. Not this, not this one. Nope. You stood in the pulpit every week and you just let them come. Had no influence over anybody in their life. No, 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 not this church. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. Don't you do one more thing till you receive power from on high. Don't you minister to another person. Don't you pray for another person. Don't you eat until you receive power from on high. That's called fasting, by the way. It's like in the Bible, too. Maybe we don't see what they saw because we don't do what they did. So they went. Luke 11, verse 13. I'm just going to give you a bunch of scripture and give you the opportunity to receive. If you then, who are evil, well, that was ugly. What did you call me evil for? Because we're human. Fallen people in a fallen world. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I want to be like Luke. Like Luke wanted to make sure that what was going on with the Holy Spirit. Luke would have never made it in most of the churches in the Bible Belt. I'm just saying. I want to be like him. That he wouldn't exclude anything or anybody from what God wants to do. He was so interested that he wrote a history book after he wrote a gospel. And the history book is the book of Acts. Look with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 8. I've already read chapter 1 and some of chapter 2. Chapter 8 says that they, being apostles, laid hands on them, Samaritans, the dogs, the not Jewish people, the ones that weren't like them. So they went to a place and they laid hands on them. And watch this. They, the Samaritans, they, they received. He didn't make them. He didn't force them. They weren't thrown against the wall and brim-flopping, convulsing, spitting, shedding tears, and having a Holy Ghost hold down. It wasn't like that. It wasn't a runaway so that people run away. That's not what it... It wasn't that. He said they just laid hands, and the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. It's recorded, go to the house of the Gentiles, and in verse 47, Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Gentiles, house of Cornelius, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And Peter gives us evidence that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of water is not the same thing. I didn't do it. I'm just reading the word of God. Well, that's not how it should be interpreted. Well, that's how I'm going to interpret it. Because that's how I'm going to operate. And if I'm wrong, then I'll give an account for that. (laughs) But if you're wrong, and Jesus says, it was right there. Like, I gave you. Why didn't didn't you receive? Receive the Holy Ghost as well as we. Final passage. Paul came to Ephesus. So we have Samaritans, we have Gentiles. Now we have Ephesians, Romans, Americans, the nationalist, Democrats, people that voted for Obama and Hillary. It's okay to have relationship with people that don't think like you. The Ephesians, the Romans, Americans, Democrats. We 
shouldn't be a church of one political party. You don't talk about politics enough. Why would I cheapen the gospel to a political platform? Saved us in 200 years. The only thing that's going to set this nation free is the millennial reign of the king of glory. That's it. That's the only thing that we have to hang our hat on. I can tell you what I am. I can tell you how I voted. If you want to know, come ask me. I'll give it to you today. But I'm not going to tell you what to do. Because there's plenty to talk about in our lives that's jacked up enough without me wasting time on some political platform that's not going to make it in 10 years. The gospel is the power of God. The Ephesians, Paul went to, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, Hadn't been our experience, Paul. It's not what we thought. It's not how I interpreted it. We haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. Hadn't even heard of Him. Why would we receive something that we hadn't heard of? So He said to them, well, in what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. That would be the baptism of water. Because John just said, I come and I baptize in water. Coming after me who will baptize spirit and fire. So Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. We believe in the baptism of water. And if you've never been baptized in water, please tell us. Because I will take back there. Because it's kind of heavy. And we'll put it up here. And we will celebrate your profession of faith. An external expression of something that has happened internally in you. It doesn't save you. Doesn't wash you. But it symbolizes what you have done in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's more. That's what I had to know. I just, I, I got to 19 years old and I thought, God, there's got to be more to this. I watched my dad divorce three women and give most of his income away in the casino that never break the addiction to alcohol or, to, or to tobacco. I watched his brother never break the addiction to alcohol and I thought, God, they were born and raised in the church in accordance to your Parents are disciplined people. What is wrong? There's got to be more. And there, there was. And I saw it. And I was mad. Why has nobody told me about this? Like it's some kind of secret that only the super spiritual get to experience. No. Paul said to the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him. And that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Let me ask you something. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Paul's question. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you want to? You bow your head and close your eyes with me. Believe, yield, and receive. I just believe that God is good enough and gracious enough to simultaneously save you and fill you with His Spirit the very same time, very same service. If you're sitting in the chair right now and you're within the sound of my voice, or if you're logged in online with us right now, we as a congregation are going to pray a prayer of repentance, a prayer of salvation. If you would like for us, the pastoral staff, and, and yourself and confidence in Jesus to just be an obedient, if you would like to be included in this prayer for salvation, 
that we're all going to pray because you're not currently following Jesus or living for God and you know that you need to be and you want to settle that and make it right today, right now. If you would like to be included in that prayer, would you just lift your hand right where you are? Nobody's looking around. Would you just say, that's me. That's me. I want to follow Jesus. Really? Nobody? All of y'all, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Don't play games with God. He knows your heart. You may as well admit it to yourself. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? I, I see you. Thank you. All, you. all you're doing is saying, I just want to be included in this prayer. Thank you. I see you. Anybody? I see you. I see you. I need to follow Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I'm not currently living for him. Or, let me ask you another question just to include you. I want to take my relationship with him to the next level. I've been drifting. I'm dry. I need to repent and return to him. I need to rededicate. I see you. I need to recommit my life. I see you. I see you. I need to, I need to recommit with everything that I have. Really commit this time. I see you. That you would want to be included in this prayer. Church, would you stand with me? In an attitude of prayer, here's all I want to ask. I just want you to pray this prayer with me with every fiber of your being. Close your eyes right where you are. Don't get distracted. Don't look around. This is between you and Jesus. It's very simple. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me for where I've fallen short. Cleanse me of anything in me that is not of you. Take my life. Make it yours. Fill me with your spirit. Help me follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a second thing. First of all, if you prayed that prayer, if you would do us a favor and just write your name on a card, say, I rededicated my life or I committed my life the first time. You can leave it in your chair. You can hand it in on the way out. You can bring it to a pastor. We'll collect it. We want to make it as easy as possible. It's 1232. Thank you for hanging in with me. If you didn't eat before service, you're crazy. Okay, Service is at 11. Eat breakfast. If you're starving right now, I can promise you, there is nothing out there that will fill you more than what you could receive today if you'll come forward. In just this simple act of obedience, almost every time in the book of Acts that someone received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that someone laid hands on them. We're not going to shout at you. We're not going to shove you. If you hear us praying in tongues, it will only be for our edification and, and for your confidence that we're not asking you to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. But if you're in this room today and you asked that question a minute ago, have I received the Holy Spirit? See, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came for the first time. But in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were all filled again. So the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. He is a continual experience. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to, or you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to do the unthinkable. And I'm going to ask you to join us right here and just form a line right here in the altar. Come on, just come. If that's you, if I was talking to you and you need to receive today, I had like eight people in the first service. I was really excited about it. Nobody, everybody in here is just filled with the Spirit and walking out this wheel, walking out God's thank you. Thank you for leading the way. Come on, just come forward. we got to break down this wall between the pew and the altar or the seat and the stage, whatever it is. I want to pray with you. I want to lay hands on you. I don't want to shout at you. I don't want to scare you. Anybody else? with Because if you can't walk up in front of everybody in the church, then you will never stand firm in front of people that aren't even going to church. Come on, anybody else? Students, really? Nobody? You've all been filled with the Spirit. You don't want anything to do with it. That's fine. Okay, let's move. Anybody else? Come on. I'll draw you. I'll stay here. Like, I don't got nothing. I ate like a little waffle with some peanut butter in it in the intermission. I'm good. Anybody else? I just want to give you the opportunity. I'm going to pray. I want to make it easier. I'm going to pray a, a, a blessing over everybody that's here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Would you follow their example? Just say, Lord, that's me. I just want to receive. I just want to receive. Anybody else? 
I need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled. I want to receive. I answered 23 of these. Anybody else? I want to give you plenty of time. I'm not trying to call you out. just want to give you plenty of opportunity. I'm going to count to three. And then you can still come when I pray. One. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? We're just asking you to do what, what Scripture says that you can have. That's all we're doing. I know, like, I'm promoting it. Like, I'm pushing it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can do to convince. Sometimes that's what I needed at some points in my life. And I'm a testimony of, of somebody standing in a pulpit and just taking the time to say, nope, nope, that's not everybody. See, the thing is, is that you guys aren't going to youth camp and children's camp here in a month or so. You're not going to go to church for four days in a row and the only thing that you think about is service every morning when you wake up. But you have an opportunity right now to come just as they're going to go to camp. And a lot of them are going to come back with experiences that their parents and their grandparents may have never considered them having or even better have been praying for the last 20 years for them to have. Come on, anybody else? I just want to take time. One, two, anybody else? Come, three. Church, thank you so much for being here today. We're going to do things a little bit differently. Pastor John's going to play, sing, worship. I'm going to pray over you just like I always do. And then when I, when I finish praying, I'm going to kind of focus my energy on this crew here. If our prayer team would come, and, and guys, don't, don't, don't lay hands on them yet. Just kind of come behind them and start praying for them, not necessarily with them yet. Just come and stand in behind them and, and pray with them. Listen, if I'm messing this up, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best to abide by his word and just be obedient to what it says. I want to make it as easy as possible. When I, when I start praying, if you still want to come, for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you need to be filled or refilled, or you just want to be, then just come. Let us pray with you. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I'd ask that today you kind of help us maintain this, this reverence, this attitude and atmosphere of prayer that's conducive for us to receive and just kind of quietly go and get your babies or dismiss yourself. If you, I want you to fellowship and talk. I just want you to kind of do it more softly, quietly than usual. I love you. Thank you so much for listening for this long and letting me go on and on.